0: did this prank, me and Ro, where our penises are stuck in a Chinese finger trap. And we went into this barbershop in the hood in Atlanta and we walked in the barbershop, our dicks are in a Chinese finger trap and we're stretching them back and forth. And we went to the barber. We're like, yo, uh, our dicks are stuck in this thing. Can you give us your scissors to cut us out? And the guy went red. He was like, oh, hell no! And he started looking for his gun, couldn't find his gun, found a knife, chased us out with a knife. We're stuck at the dick in this thing like, ah! Runs after us, and my safe word is popcorn. When I call popcorn, that means like, yep, it's, it's time to cut, it's too dangerous. But I had so much uh, adrenaline, I forgot my safe word, and I just started yelling, goosebumps. So I'm looking at my crew, who's hidden in cars, and like they have backpack cameras and all these, like, and I'm like, goosebumps, goosebumps, goosebumps! And they're like, oh, fuck popcorn! And like, security jumped out, grabbed the guy's knife, yell cut. We reveal the dick trap snaps, Rail's like falling down, rail rolled under a car. And like the guy, we were like, It's a hidden camera prank, it's a hidden camera prank. And the guy was like, Oh, y'all are hilarious, man. When's this shit come out? I'll sign a release, no problem.
1: Eric Andre is crazy. He's an amazing comedian who's brilliant and childish. I love the Eric Andre show so much, especially those crazy interviews where he just screws with people and destroys the set and attacks every convention of the American talk show. I also loved his hilarious new Netflix special, Legalize Everything, and I can't wait for his upcoming prank movie, Bad Trip. Let's get into it. It's Eric Andre on Touré Show. You know one thing I love about you, and especially you know doing a deep dive on the show, which is so amazing. You are not scared of insulting people. These people come on; they don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I feel like if I ask somebody a question that bothers them, they're going to be like, "Oh, I don't like that guy. I'm mad at that guy."
0: Oh, right. You, right. you don't care. Well, I'm not out to hurt anybody. There's no malicious intent, and right. I'm. You in don't hurt. Right, me, you don't but hurt anybody. Yeah, I'm in character while I'm doing the show. So the character of the show host is like an idiot. So uh, I, I I kind of, I'm, I'm wearing a mask in a sense. <laughs> um, much like the woman that walked by in the frame behind you. She, when she wore a mask. She wore a literal mask. I'm wearing a metaphoric mask on my show. So dip- uh, I, I hope nobody takes it personal. I'm just fucking around. No, I
1: don't think anybody takes it personal, but like... You know, you are you're you're pushing the envelope, you're pushing people's buttons, and you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want them to be upset. I don't want you to be upset, you know, and like
0: I'm like well, I'm like you in this situation or a situation where I'm not in character. I'm very like, oh if if I send a text message, this is how like needy and weird and pathetic I am. If I send a text message to anybody. And they don't respond in five minutes. I'm like, they're mad at me. They fucking hate me. <laughs> totally. totally fucking hate me. Totally. I must have said something insulting. What did I, what did I say? Uh, what did I say? I texted John Fabro two days ago. I go, because my fr- we have a mutual friend, and I go, I heard you have a good brisket recipe because I want to make a brisket. He didn't respond. My world crumbled. I was like, I fucked up on the Lion King. He thinks I'm a hack. I went, like, I spiraled. I was like, I'll never be in Iron Man 5. <laughs>
1: Cause I feel like you seem fearless. Is that like- I'm pretty anxious. Keep...
0: No, it's the opposite. A lot of people say that. I just want to get some hands in <laughs> it. Just trying to walk. I know it's like uh, nauseating okay. for the viewers to people get seasick when I walk. Um, I'm actually pretty anxious. I just know that in those situations, those high stakes situations, like there's there's comedy in those hills. That's how I feel. So like I, I'm, I'm miserable while we're filming a time, a times, a times, plural. Single. yeah. But uh, I know in the editing bay, pain pain during shooting is pleasure in the editing bay. Yeah. So I I have to sacrifice my comfort in those moments to get. Good footage.
1: So, I, cause, so even when you're in the midst of it, you're feeling the pain. You're not like I'm fearless. Like the like the stage me is fearless.
0: I I, I got better season after season, but it is like it's pretty um, nerve wracking, especially when people are like attacking you or taking out weapons, or you're surrounded by like bikers for Trump, and you're trying to uh, <laughs> troll Alex Jones. I
1: showed the I showed the show to my kids who are 12 and 11 and they kept saying, why does he keep destroying the desk?
0: And and, and they kept coming back
1: to that. And I tried to explain like the desk as this, as a symbol of like normalcy in 99% of shows and your show is unpredictable and it's an anti-show. And so destroying the desk is a sense of like, we, we are attacking the normal, paradigms of doing these shows they they didn't really understand that but i mean like (laughs) you got too deep you went over their heads but i mean like you you love to destroy your set and then
0: immediately
1: put it right back together
0: yes because my character's trapped in purgatory so it's just this like can't uh, get out yeah it's it's just yeah he's trapped He's, he's trapped in this what's the word besides purgatory it's just uh it's this existential it's groundhog's day. Groundhog's yeah. day I think is better. You know
1: you know what kills me is when you shoot people when you shoot your stage manager when you shoot the hell out of Hannibal it yeah, just makes funny. me die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I
0: can't even control it. But like what why is that funny? I I because it's like the wrong, absolute wrong thing to do and i think like you know comedy is when you inject absurdity when you distort the truth so it's like the last thing that would happen on a talk show it's like every choice we make is like the if you were if i was an actual talk show host the worst choice over and over and over and over again it is like a show of just like bad choices like the editing choices are like intentionally wrong like, my questions are completely inappropriate. I'm completely inept. It's like, the talk show is one of the l- oldest, like, templates. for Like, since the dawn of television in the 40s, you had Steve Allen show. It's one of the oldest templates for a television show. So it's like, everybody's familiar with it across the world. So it's the easiest one to kind of uh, dismantle. What
1: happened after... Hannibal kicked Flavor Flav in the face.
0: Uh, we cut to uh, we cut to commercial, and uh, we came back, and he was dancing <laughs> uh,
1: on the set. He, he kicked Flavor Flav with his knee to the face. <laughs> yeah.
0: What did what what happened? I mean, it got crazy. <laughs> he took it like a champion. He did. Uh, you know, I can't, um, uh, I'd rather keep the mystery alive, be honest with you.
1: Because in my <laughs> mind, he got really bad and he
0: was like, fuck you guys. I'm oh, leaving. he's bad. He still is bad. And I bring it up. We're doing a new season. We're doing a fifth season and we, I, I bring it up with another guest and like my writing partner was like, you're rehashing that, like, <laughs> like you're bringing that back up and putting it back out there. But, uh, Yeah. <laughs> i'll keep that one a mystery <laughs> so look what is the it dim- where are you are you in new york
1: yeah i'm in brooklyn yeah
0: is this your house ha- is this your apartment house yeah, yeah. Brownstone, whatever i
1: house. like your, i like your book collection thank you it's a couple of books we try to you know very literate we
0: try We're friends with jordan carlos
1: uh, yes, yes, he's a good man. He's a good man. I see Wyatt Snack a lot. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you, he uh, yeah, here. Good,
0: he's a good man. He's L- a good man. A lot
1: of comics are in and around here. Chris Rock used to live around the corner from here. Now he's. Uh, you have
0: all the black comedians on your, it's, on
1: your spot. It's, it's all, it's all coming. So what's the difference between the real Eric Andre and the guy who goes on, the character you play on stage, not just in the show, but also in Legalize Everything and like. I'm. He's not the same guy, is it?
0: I would say I'm a lot more suburban and boring, <laughs> and hardworking. And I'm like uh, anxious and work obsessed, and like I'm kind of a drip. I don't know. <laughs> I like eat healthy and shit
1: and exercise. I feel like hanging out with you would be like just a, a breathless. Just crawl of just craziness happening one after the other. Like, I can't keep up with. This I kind of
0: get. I kind of get it all out of my system on stage or in front of the cameras. I used to be have that much energy and hyperactivity, but like I kind of get it out in my performance, and then I spend the like my private life trying to like calm my anxiety. I meditate. I. Uh, Just like install, I got a jacuzzi at my house. You know, I I try to go to sauna. I'm like, one half is black, but the other half is very Jewish. So I I have to do everything to calm my anxiety.
1: You know, just this year, I found out that I'm like part Jewish. Really? Okay. I didn't didn't know that until it was like, like my sister did a 23andMe to be like, we're like a third Jewish.
0: I can see you got a little Andy Samberg kind of. Yo, you got you a little
1: on Andre face going so, on. Totally. Samberg <laughs> is a whole thing because um, people used to tell me I looked like him. I'm like, I don't see it. And they would tell me that I sound like him.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
1: I don't see it. And then I went to an Al Gore book party. And his uncle was there. And he made like a beeline across the room like, yo, dude, we tease Andy about sounding like you all the time.
0: Wow,
1: and I was like, wow, like Andy actually
0: like, here's like, I, I. wow, I get, I get, I sound like Seth Rogen. And <laughs> yes, I look like yes. you, when my hair was growing out, my mom's coworker thought I was J Cole. I got Ray <laughs> Allen for like a year and Andy Samberg.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So do you, do you, do you like Andy Kaufman?
0: I love Andy Kaufman. I have a frame. Look, I'm, I have, I have a book of his hate mail, which I lost, and I'm, I'm trying to find it because I want to read it. <clears throat> and then I have uh, – this is on my piano in my house. Graham uh, Kaufman. Perfect. Yeah, when I first started Eric Andre's Show, I met with a spiritual advisor. Uh-huh. And I'm, like, not spiritual at all. I am, like, the biggest skeptic but I met with a spiritual advisor and she said, you have to pray before you start your journey on your own talk show. You have to, you have to pray to the comedy gods and me and her like prayed to the comedy gods together. So I closed my eyes and I, I think Joan Rivers just died. It was like, I I prayed to like Joan Rivers and, 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 uh, George Carlin and Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor and Andy Kaufman. And we'd like, did this little like prayer to the comedy gods and, uh, so then, I like framed a couple. I have like a Richard Pryor frame somewhere in my house. I
1: mean, who are the so who are the who are the fathers like the comedy fathers of the absurdist, brilliant, crazy Eric Andre shit? and like, mothers and
0: mothers. Oh, I grew up on oh, absolutely Phyllis, Phyllis Diller. Uh, I, I love George Carlin, Richard Pryor are you talking about the dead ones or people that are alive
1: B- both of them who are the main influences that lead you to do the crazy shit that like throws the, the us over.
0: the living one i love all the jackass guys i love sasha baron cohen tom green those guys were the first people that I was like oh these guys are like risking their life for for like a dumb joke <laughs> like being chased with like a hammer or a knife they're like Getting like assaulted by bulls and pythons, like just for our entertainment, and I, it was like this. Like uh, I don't know, it feels like very like altruistic. It's not because they're millionaires, but I, I felt like they were like sacrificing their comfort and well-being just for a laugh. Uh, I don't know, and I thought they were so so high stakes. You know, I mean, Bor- Borat, the Borat movie was the hardest I ever laughed in a movie theater. Okay. When I saw Bor okay. the first time, I couldn't believe my eyes. So, I mean, it definitely... Those, those, are the, those are the... I love Ren and Stimpy. I love Wonder Shows in. I love Chappelle uh, show. Yeah. Uh, I love The Simpsons. A lot of animated stuff. My, uh, Mike Joe, you know, Beavis and Butthead. Um, I love uh, Chris Rock's stand-up. Chris Tucker's stand-up. Um, I mean these guys are great for i mean reason, i you know?
1: feel like, i mean borat had me going how much of this is real and how yeah. much is not and i don't know where the line is and that discomfort made me happy because i'm like you're making me like really really think and work and yeah. try to figure out like what's what and you kind of fuck with that and you kind of seem like i'm fucking around up here i don't care if you laugh or not i'm doing my crazy shit Uh
0: um, yeah I mean, I was, I was so broke when I sold the Eric Andre show, I was on unemployment and I had like 200 bucks in my name. So I'm like, I don't care if you don't laugh. I have a job. Like, do you know how incredible that is? I have a fucking job. I was like broke for the first 10 years of comedy. So, um, yeah, I mean, what kind of this this is all, this is all I got. So you're, but you're doing good now. I'm doing, I'm doing okay now. How good are you doing now? I'm doing better than when I was 23. (laughs) And I would like eat at like the, it, there's a, there's a deli. It's called the Punjabi deli. It's on first and first it's where it's pre Uber. So when I lived in New York, it was where all the cab drivers would eat. And it was $2 microwave Indian food. And I would eat there. It probably has no nutritional value. They like just microwave the shit out of it. They would microwave it in styrofoam and I would eat there every day. And I would eat falafels in the West village. Cause it was like the only meal that I could get for $2 I was doing like chicken shit open mic comedy. You but know, I've my, heard you talk about you don't care about money. Like that's not like you don't really not care about money. I don't. Did I did I say that? No, I mean like money's fucking rad. You can buy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when did I say that? What kind of hippie bullshit is that? <laughs> I bought a house. Get the fuck out of here. Where, I are you, need, where uh, you live in? I live in um I live in Los Angeles. Nice. Yeah, nice. L A. On the east side. Uh, <laughs> Were you bedsty Fort Green, Fort Green, love Fort Green, Fort Green, love yeah. Fort Green. Oh yeah, if Chris I... Rock did have a. Chris Rock had a. He bought that place like he told me he bought that place right with his like first paycheck, like a yeah. three thousand dollars SNL paycheck or something like that. Because Fort Green was like rough when he <laughs> bought it. It he was, was. He's and like, now. you don't know my Fort Green. He goes, you have your Fort Green. No, now it's really super smooth. Is there Did you grow up in New York? No, I grew up in Boston. Boston, fucking hey, dude. You ever go to the Dunkin' Donuts and fucking uh Alewife, <laughs> bro? So <laughs> you ever you ever fall asleep on the T and you wake up in fucking Braintree, bro?
1: <laughs> I grew up right next to Braintree it's called town called
0: Randolph. <laughs> Braintree. What a fucked name for a city. Braintree. Oh, tell me about it. So, so, so. Wow. Did you both, like, Boston is the most racist city in the north. It has to be, well, right? Well, you know, in, in it the north, like, yes. But un- I'm like, am I in Alabama? I went to college there. And it was yeah. like the Alabama. Where'd you go to school? Berkeley College of Waste Your Money Music. Do
1: right. <laughs> You didn't learn, I know exactly where that is. You didn't learn great. What did you study? What was your instrument? Upright bass. And you didn't, you didn't feel like you learned important I learned I learned cool
0: music. jazz bass lines daddy-o <laughs> Don't give a do, do, do. yeah man Read you're a so paper. punk
1: I'm surprised to hear you even talk about jazz because you do seem very bad brainsy and punk and like but but jazz can be punk
0: you know like orna coleman yeah. albert eiler all those guys that were making that like and like miles like F- miles's fusion stage all that all that yes, like yes. 60s 70s jazz that was fucking super avant-garde is punk rock and i i, I still wolf that stuff down
1: no bitches brew is one of my favorite it's albums brew, all Live,
0: evil, yeah all that shit
1: yo what you do at the end of legalize everything and I don't know how far you want to go in terms of protecting it If people haven't seen it
0: Nah, I think, like, tease it out
1: I, I, I You used fucking to- blew my mind And I don't even, I don't normally find that shit funny And I was just like
0: You're talking about when I FaceTime the mom or my mangina?
1: The mangina
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And
1: like they said, the went out with an per- point. The director sets it up perfectly. Like when you like the behind shot when you pull up your shirt, and I'm like, where is this going? And then like the face, the vagina, it's like, oh my god, this guy you is fucking the people insane. what they want. Yeah, you what do you what
0: are you doing there? Well, is it blurred? I can't remember we blurred it. I, yeah. Don't we, yeah. To, it's blurred. Yeah. Well, we okay. don't we
1: don't see we don't see your whole thing, but we see the hair.
0: You see the hair. Okay, so adult swim, you have to blur the hair. So I'm making progress. I'm I'm now the hair is unblurred, but the, the fruit basket in the back, that is that had to be blurred, I think, for Netflix's standards and practices. But uh yeah, I'm I'm taking it one piece of my, <laughs> my genitalia at the time. Then I want the next movie I want to put out, I want it rated X. Well, That's my goal. Why you why do you do that? You know what that on stage i wasn't going to put that in the edit at first every single show i did last year people shout out show your dick get naked men and women scream at me to get naked all throughout my show every city internationally it's like i'm the naked guy now so i wasn't going to put it in the special but it just like my editor just like put that at the very end and we just Thought it was so stupid and funny, and the crowd reaction was so good that it was just like this, like "fuck you" to go out on. I don't know. I don't know. You, you got to give the people what they want. People want to do- see my crotch for some reason. The, the At first it was me d- getting it on. Now people were like you get naked. Some keep getting naked. I'm like, all right,
1: I'll do it. Uh, the, the, the piece with the mom is dope because it goes in a direction. You, you don't expect her to be so fucking cool, right? You're trying to get her goat and she's yeah. like, I got weed if you want it.
0: Oh yeah. The mom and and the mom, I did that joke over and over again in each city. And the mom is always the star of the show. In that, bit. But that mom especially was cool and brought up weed organically and tied in the theme themes from the, the whole special and like tied the, 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 beginning to the end like that was serendipity that was incredible what are you scared to do in terms of your career um i don't like scuba diving <laughs> i don't i wouldn't film underwater i don't need I sharks and shit down there i mean fish. if
1: i was in your writer's room what is it that i could say outside of let's scuba dive, like, you know, Eric doesn't like scuba diving. Okay, fine. Well, what can I, I say? I, like, I, let's I do this. you be like, to... okay,
0: I, I'm not doing that. I, I think there's good, bad taste and there's bad, bad taste. And I think there's no real, like, never say this or don't talk about this topic. Like, everything's on the table. It just depends on the joke and the scenario and the situation and the point of view of the joke. And you kind of have to take it case by case. But if all the writers are dying laughing, that's a good sign. You know what I mean? Because the people I have in the room are very, very smart people, much smarter than me that I trust. So, um, I don't know. It's case by case. You got to figure it out. The case. You know, you know. You sometimes you fuck it up. Sometimes you. I, I put out plenty of shit that's just in poor taste that I just have to like live with it out there. So, I mean, whatever.
1: the way that you are, it doesn't matter if you're in poor taste. Who cares? I'm Eric Andre. I freaking burn bridges and keep it going.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. I mean, uh, yeah, I think you gotta be, you never wanna be like mean or unlikable. You don't right. wanna just be like harsh for heart's sake, you know? Right. So it's gotta be funny. So I think you just gotta keep that in mind with each joke.
1: I mean, a lot of times the joke is on you. Right. So then if you're the big fool in the prank or the joke, then like right. you
0: do whatever you want. Right. I, I'm always playing the idiot. So I'm not like I'm not out to get anybody. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it was very much like that for the prank movie we just did. All the all the pranks like showed the like the uh, good humanitarian nature in people versus like like making people look dumb or punching down or. Nick, this you know, is, this the, is bad trip this is a bad trip. Yeah. I'll send you, uh, I'll have them send you a link with oh, Tiffany Haddish. And added Lil Rel Howery, Michaela Conlon. And that's it. The, the rest, everybody else on camera is a real civilian. Is unaware, it, they're even being is it like Borat in that. Yes. It's a narrative movie told entirely with hidden camera pranks with real people real civilian. We don't no fake reactions. Nobody's pretending there's only four actors in it. And then everybody else is, is a,
1: Can you, can you say what the, what the premise is?
0: Yeah. It's basically hitting camera, dumb and dumber. It's Borat meets dumb and dumber. It's like me and Rel are best friends. I see the girl in my dreams. Turns out she lives thousands of miles away. We steal his uh, convict psychotic sister's car, who is played by Tiffany Haddish. We steal her car. We drive across country and we, um, create pranks all along the way. But we tell that entire story through pranks. So we never stop down to tell a story, then go to a prank, stop down to tell a story, then do a prank. The story and the pranks are interwoven. And we're actually, we're getting plot points from real people who don't even know they're on camera. So um,
1: it is experimental. What's the hit when you're doing it, when when you're doing Bad Trip, what's the hit to miss... Ratio like how much are we seeing <laughs> on lot, on screen yeah. versus like you know, we did it, we tried something, we threw that out, we tried something that one worked, we tried
0: something, we threw that out. Like, oh, you gotta film a lot, you gotta <laughs> film a lot, you gotta film like really 90% of what you film is on the cutting room floor, and like it's just like the, the cream at the top that makes it. Yeah, yeah it's a lot, it's a lot.
1: It's a, how long did it take to film it? <laughs> Three and a half years, and we started working on it six
0: and a half years ago three and a again. half years well Shit. not entirely shooting every day for three and a half years it was like on and off and then rel got a fox show and then we had to wait for his show to end to do the reshoots and tiffany's schedule was crazy so yeah. it was like I mean, like it was like a lot of like filming editing watching it seeing what we fucked up went back filmed edited seeing what we fucked up what we needed it was a lot of like uh, repeating the process over and over again.
1: I mean, in the last three to four years, Tiffany has gone from a star to a massive star. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah I'm yeah. shocked you could even get her on the phone well, at this point.
0: Well, we had to, well, Rel and I have been friends with her since she was like sleeping in her car. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've known her yeah, for like, 15 years. So I'm sure Rel might have known her longer, but um, she, the only reason, so And that was pennies from heaven, that casting. Uh, um, What happened was, Rel, the first day of filming, we did this prank, me and Rel, and Rel's never done hidden camera pranks before. They're incredibly stressful. So we did this prank, me and Rel, where our penises are stuck in a Chinese finger trap. (laughs) And we went into this barbershop in the hood in Atlanta. And we walked in the barbershop. Our dicks are in a Chinese finger trap. And we're stretching it back and forth. And we went to the barber. We're like, yo, uh, our dicks are stuck in this thing. Can you give us your scissors to cut us out? And the guy went red. He was like, oh, hell no. And he started looking for his gun. Couldn't find his gun. Found a knife. Chased us out with a knife. We're stuck at the dick in this thing. Like, oh, Runs after us, and my safe word is popcorn. When I call popcorn, that means, like, yep, it's, it's time to cut. This is too dangerous. But I had so much uh, adrenaline, I forgot my safe word, and I just started yelling goosebumps. So I'm looking at my crew, who's hidden in cars, and, like, they have backpack cameras and all these. Like, I'm like, goosebumps, goosebumps, goosebumps. And they're like, oh, fuck popcorn. And, like, security jumped out, grabbed the guy's knife, yell cut. Reveal the dick trap snaps. Rel's like falling down, rolled under a car. And like the guy, we were like, it's a hidden camera prank, it's a hidden camera prank. And the guy was like, Oh, y'all are hilarious, man. When's this shit come out? I'll sign a release, no problem. And then Rel was pit. He was like, dude, you're gonna get me killed. This is fucking dangerous. I got kids. And he was like, he was about to quit. He called Tiffany Haddish. He's like, I'm doing Eric's movie. It's a nightmare. I almost got killed today. And Tiffany's like dying laughing as he's telling the story. He's like near tears. And then she called me five minutes afterwards. And she goes, yo, you almost got rel killed shooting your movie. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, yo, I want to be in your movie. I was like, what? <laughs> and the woman that was set to play her role just dropped out. So we were looking for somebody new. And then she just came out of nowhere and she was famous so we're like how do we get away with pranks so we just disguised her we gave her face tattoos and cornrows and we like changed up her look entirely and we got away with it and she was incredible she's like a prank she's like comedy on a cellular level she can do every medium of comedy stand-up acting pranks like you name
1: it so wait what else happened in terms of like almost getting killed in the making of this piece
0: that was one of the worst, for sure. I almost got a bottle smacked over my head at a bar for, like, urinating on a pool table at this, like, <laughs> this, like country, like, honky-tonk bar with, like, this real redneck dude that did not think I was funny at all. And he's like, you get your... I he goes, I don't care where you piss, but you need to get your piss away from me. And I'm, like, peeing towards him, and uh, it was, like, a pee gag. It wasn't my real...
1: Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first
1: true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name,
0: Elizabeth Taylor.
1: I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is... Is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen.
0: Dick, but he couldn't tell. It was just like this little hose that's shooting fake piss out of the thing. And it was like an astronomical amount of piss. I had like these two bladders filled with fake piss under my arm. So I'm like sp- spraying it all over the bar. And he's he goes, he, he went, all right, that's it a shot of jim beam or something grabbed a bottle and i was like popcorn goosebumps, <laughs> goosebumps. yeah oh, and then right. i was pissed at myself i was like man maybe i should have let him break a bottle over my face and my jeff Tremaine, the guy that directs all the jackass movies he's the producer on it he goes you don't want to get a bottle broken up your face <laughs> he's like we want to be able to film the rest of the movie if you had stitches you'd be cut up you be yeah, yeah. staples in your face. So But you're
1: you're I mean like you're you're willing to go the nth degree to get yeah. the joke.
0: Well, you know, I feel like Johnny Knoxville, Sasha Baron Cohen, these guys have set the bar so high that if you don't literally put your life in danger, you can't compete with those guys. Those guys are like the masters, you know what I mean? All the Jackass guys, you know? And Sasha, so like, uh that's what I'm doing with. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to put the stuff out after those guys have set the bar astronomically high. So I'm like, I don't do it out of pleasure. I do it out of like, <laughs> what, what else can I do? Like, <laughs> that's the competition. So, <laughs> I mean, I imagine
1: you as somebody who's like, I don't have safe words you know but you i you, used to not
0: oh we used to do things illegally no security no stunt pads i would do stunts on concrete and wipe out and end up in the hospital and I, I dashed my hand through a window one time and sliced my hand up we would we're idiots. i got arrested two times shooting eric andre show like we were idiots we had no idea how to produce this stuff we were just going into situations blind it was so dangerous in the beginning then we kind of figured out like what what's like reasonable danger and what you can get away with and what you can't like you want to break the right rules and not break the rules.
1: in terms of doing the the Eric Andre show so what's the most danger in terms of the interviews what is the most dangerous moment that you've had
0: um the interviews that danger i mean ti walked out he had, had enough and then he, he walked out three from- times yeah he kept like getting up and i'd have to like call him back and then i'd piss him off again and he left and uh <laughs> he didn't really have a sense of humor about it and then he like, worked <laughs> around afterwards for a while i was like is Ti gonna beat me up and then uh and then um uh, what's her name? Lauren Conrad walked out, but I never felt danger was, in the studio. That like, was
1: amazing. Exactly. The Lauren Conrad moment was amazing. Yeah. And you know, I showed it to my wife, and she had the same reaction that Lauren did in terms when you fair. throw up and she cringed just like she was like mirroring Lauren. And then when you ate it, she was like, I'm done. And she's like walking yeah. up. I'm like, You're mirroring Lauren. It's amazing. That's that, fair. W- that moment is amazing a primal that's a primal reaction that's fair <laughs> that's fair <laughs> um dude you how did you not get beat up by ti because i know he goes I to think that he place. was considering
0: it i i think he was considering it he like i kept like seeing him usually after an interview they just get in their car and get the fuck out of there but uh he lurked around afterwards and i was just like After I get the footage I need, I'm like chummy and friendly. And I was just like, hey, man, that was great. Every time I walk by him, like walking to my office, I'd be like, hey, that was great. Oh, man, thanks for coming. And he was just like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Ah, man, you're crazy. Woo, love your music. I was just like super positive. Afterward, it is psychological torture. I'm like making them completely lose their mind. And then yeah. afterwards, I'm like, man, you're so great. Was so was so much fun working with you. And da, da, da. I mean, how often do you get the publicist calling, like, what the fuck
1: was that? We didn't expect that. We're oh, upset.
0: That happens constantly, but I, I let my producer deal with it. The best was <laughs> we filmed, we interviewed Robin gibbons this season, and you know, I have like cockroaches coming from the ceiling and maggots crawling out of the desk and the food and stuff like that. She's she's like losing her mind. I had an alligator on a skateboard. She's losing her mind. She had no idea what the show was. She's panicking. I like brought up Mike Tyson, and then like turns out later I found this out. My my uh, first AD or second AD was like dude, her agent is flipping out and trying to end the interview. And my ADs just were sending the agent out on like a wild goose chase. They're like, I think the way to the studio is that way. And then they'd send her in a living <laughs> room. No, 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 it's that way. No, 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 it's that way. Oh shit, wait, wait, where, where are you trying to go? Oh, talk to him. Go oh, talk to her. And like sending them all around. And then when they all cut, she came out. I was like, I think your agent was pissed or something. And she's like, I'm the pissed agent. And I was like, all right, well, let's see you later. We got the footage. You signed the release ahead of time. Bye bye. She was fucking it. Robin Gibbs was cool afterwards. She was stressed during it, but uh, she was cool afterwards. So, who I know number, season
1: five it is?
0: Yeah, out? we're on the fifth season. Yeah.
1: It's almost done, right?
0: Yeah, we're finishing editing next week. So, we who's, filmed
1: everything. Who's the one that you're like, I cannot wait for you to see me in this one because it goes completely off the rails?
0: Omarion from You Got Served is one of the best interviews of the entire series. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. Can you
1: yeah. say anything that happens?
0: Oh, uh, man. I don't know. I don't know how to say it without ruining it, but uh, he didn't, like, walk up, but he had had enough. We had, like, we I um, we, like, offered him sushi, and we rolled out this, like, naked Japanese woman with sushi all over her body. And then I was like, no, you don't look like a sushi guy. You look like a chili guy. And we wheeled her away and we brought out this naked guy who who's a fake George Clooney with dripping chili all over his naked body. And we <laughs> handed O'Marian a ladle. You're like, you want some chili? I mean, like it's healthy, it's organic. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, well, I, I don't want to say too much. I, I feel like I won't do it justice, by the Tell
1: way. Tell me about the grizzly bear. Grizzly Bear
0: was cool. Like
1: bear was cool. I mean, cool the bear, bear, it's like the bear, bear came worse. out and, and ambled bear- over to the desk and you were like, fuck this, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah. Those <laughs> are simpler times. Those are simpler days. The bear. <laughs> like but, uh, The bear was cool. Bears are cool. Bears are cool unless you sneak up on them.
1: Yeah, but you were shook as you should have been.
0: Yeah, it's a fucking bear. It's just gonna kill you. <laughs> you could just you're fucking like, <laughs> You're like a mosquito compared right. to bear. It's like mosquitoes talking to me. Let me give some props
1: to fucking Hannibal because he's one of the great comedians of today. And he's such a great, like, peanut butter to your jelly.
0: Because, yes. like, you play <laughs> stupid,
1: but I know that you're really smart, which right. allows me to love the character you're playing. Um, he's just, I'm like, he's your really smart friend who's kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? And, like, it's just such a brilliant sort of, like a perfect combination.
0: Yeah, he's a great straight man. I think like Chris Rock has the best quote. He called me up. I never met him and he called me between season two and three and he was like, I love your show. I want to do your show. The reason your show works is because there's no two black guys on earth that have less in common than you and Hannibal Burris." (laughs) 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 So he's like the perfect straight man. And he's the, and he's also like, he also is, psycho so like he's the straight man when it's just me and him and then you think he's a straight man during the interview but then he's he's like completely unpredictable everything out of his mouth is a complete non-sequitur you have no idea what he's thinking yo so can you can you shed some
1: light on this one point that hannibal is historic now in terms of what he did to bill cosby that he started that Avalanche that led to him righteously being imprisoned and having his name ruined and all that sort of stuff. How does he feel about that?
0: I think he feels a weird burden about it because, um, it, it, like it's not clear to everybody there's cognitive dissonance with Bill Cosby fans, and he had millions of fans, you know what I mean? There's still people that like don't deny it. I mean, it's like impossible to deny it, but like. At first, black people were mad at Hannibal. Yes. <clears throat> black people were mad at Hannibal. So he yeah. would go into like a black club or something like that and feel tense because he felt like he ratted out this like black icon. Yes. But as time goes by, I mean, the God, he's like Jeffrey fucking Dahmer, dude. Like, like yeah. 52 women came forward. That means like it's probably 520 right. women. You know what I mean? For every right. one woman that came forward, right. there's probably 10 that didn't come forward, so right. the guy was like, "Fucking John Wayne Gacy, <laughs> he's like a serial killer." But
1: hey. I mean, I I, so, I, felt- I don't
0: know. I, I think he's do- I think he's sick of talking about it too. There's just sure. like I think it's come up in every interview for the past six years, and he's like that. It, 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 he doesn't want that to be his legacy. He wants his material and his jokes to speak for themselves. Oh, so I course. think it feels like a-
1: I I felt the when you talk about black audiences being mad at him, cause I used to do uh, uh, this college lecture about race and racism, where I would open telling this Hannibal joke and I gave him credit. I didn't steal it, but the joke about, um, you know, how orange juice, how he loves to make orange juice and they see all the orange juice in the store. And the guy behind them is like, you know, why'd you buy all the orange juice? And he's like, you know, you can go get your own orange juice. And then, you know, he's like, I, I, I was for a moment, I was so happy about the orange juice that I was in a world where the guy was mad at me for buying all the orange juice and not because my girlfriend is white. And then I make a point about racism and like living in a world where you don't focus on what white people are thinking and saying about us. Um, but there was definitely colleges where I'm like, you know, there's this joke by Hannibal Burris that like really sets up what I want to say about race. And people would kind of gro- like like a third of the audience would kind of groan, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You're mm. groaning about Hannibal fucking Burris telling the fucking truth? Are you fucking kidding me?" Uh. Um, so Where were those really colleges?
0: Early. Who were the gro- What race were the groaners? Oh, and black. What, black. what? What? What state were you in?
1: Definitely midwestern. Definitely midwestern black. Maybe southern black. Uh
0: uh-huh, Somewhere
1: uh-huh. in there. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, race is forever touchy, right? It, uh, that's our. It's uh, we're we we have a collective PTSD, yes. and we're we're a traumatized nation. You know what I mean? And those wounds may never heal. So I think, like, with every, you can't win them all. I don't know. It's hard to talk about it objectively, or it's hard to have a perspective on it without pissing off somebody.
1: I mean, look. Let's talk about let's talk about you and how you feel about blackness. I know that you're half Jewish. I'm
0: actually getting surgery to become Filipino.
1: I'm going to get
0: <laughs> head to toe. I talked to some pretty experimental doctors, and uh, I'm changing my race. I mean, the- there's
1: no black way of doing comedy, but there is a black aesthetic, and I yeah. think you stand apart from that. And um, I feel like you're just doing your your work and not sort of like trying to relate to some black aesthetic. Like, what do you think about that?
0: I, I think I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm from a broker town in Florida. But also, I think that your comedy, who, who no matter who you are, no matter what race you are, your comedy has to be authentic. Authenticity yeah. is key. It's more important than the jokes. If people don't believe your point of view and, and, and smell that. What does eating healthy mean to you?
1: Whatever your eating goals, Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus. A $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash Tauré. Thrivemarket.com slash On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alameen, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: That you're, being, that you're not being authentic, they're not going to come with you. They, they don't even have to share your point of view. They just want you to have your own unique point of view. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to agree even your favorite comics, you're not going to agree with every point they're making. but if you're if they're interesting and they have a fascinating point of view, you kind of go along with them. So I have to I have to be myself and I have to you know I, I don't want to be somebody I'm not.
1: Yeah, no, I get a full deep sense of authenticity from you and what you're doing and
0: i also want to say i think the problem with television and black roles on television are like a lot of the black roles i was auditioning for were clearly written by middle-aged white guys that had never met a black person and black people are the most diverse creative people on earth so i wanted to have a television show that showed the diversity of black people and not portray black stereotypes like the mcdonald's voiceover commercial auditions i was going in for in 2005 when i would have to audition for a voiceover for a mcdonald's commercial i'd be like "Mm, mm, this new mcrib sandwich showy is good boss and i'd be like when the fuck did al jolson write this dialogue this is fucking a mess and i'd look at every other black actor in the waiting room like why i wish we didn't have to do this for money this is fucking humiliating like frederick Douglass is rolling in his grave with each mcdonald's voiceover commercial edition we have to do (laughs) so i just wanted to show the depth and diversity of black performers on my show i I hope that
1: i was thinking um, about something that you said um that chappelle told you when i was watching 846 which is you had said that chappelle said you don't have to be funny you have to be interesting And your shit is always interesting and unpredictable. Whether or not it's funny, I'm always like compelled. And that helped me understand 846 because it's not funny. It's not funny at all, uh, except for like a moment here or there. But it
0: is super interesting. Compelling, yeah, 100%. You're on the hook the whole time. You're not even thinking like, man, this isn't funny, boo. You know what I mean? You're just like. You're fascinated by his point of view because he's got such a big brain that you want to know what his point of view is on every topic. And he's such, he's a historian, you know what I mean? I love that he takes you through the timeline uh, in that set, you know. So he's just a fascinating, charismatic guy. I mean, there's a reason he's so successful.
1: I think he's the number one stand-up alive right
0: now yeah he's state of the art howard stern goes dave chappelle is state of the art that's the state of the art of stand-up comedy there's like that 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 is 21st century comedy
1: do you have a do you have a top five if he's number one who you know you don't have to rank them if you don't want to insult people but who's your top five
0: living
1: yeah let's say living
0: living right now uh, I love Amy Schumer. I love, love Chris Rock. I love Chappelle. I love Patton Oswalt.
1: Love. Um,
0: gosh, who did I see recently? Judah Friedlander's specials. Like one of the hardest I've laughed at a stand-up special. Reggie Watts. Mm. Reggie Watts and Fred Armisen specials were two of the most creative specials I've seen. Fred Armisen's drummer special? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand Really smart. yeah yeah and i went to music school so i ate that shit up that was like that that played directly to me um yeah i like anybody that's like taking liberties with the genre and making their own kind of rel's last special well not rel i haven't seen rel's most recent special but the special that i saw before we started taping had me dying laughing um I love Tiffany Haddish. I love Hannibal. Um, it's surreal that they're famous because I've been friends with them for 15 years. You know, so um, yeah. Is it that, surreal that kinda, to you that you're famous? I don't. I, I forget that I'm famous until I go outside every day. <laughs> I don't think about that I'm on TV, and I feel like I never feel satisfied with where I'm at in, in my career. I'm always at looking at the guy above me. And oh so I, I never I never think I'm until so I'm like at the like chilies to go at the airport and then somebody's asking me for a selfie and I'm like, oh shit, I'm on T V. What the fuck? That's so surreal. So oh so, my wait here. So Sorry, I, I'm getting um what did I order? Mole? One second. Hello. I just gotta make sure I can... Yeah, it's, it's card I was uh, coming to Oh yeah, you can just you can come on up and just leave it on the table. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. I got some mole. I got, um, like poblano peppers. I'm actually not making uh dip with it. I'm making like, like, uh, some experimental cocktails. Okay. There's a, there's a bartender whose name is Ivy mix. She's in Carroll gardens, I think. Okay. And I just bought her a book. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. You leave it right there. Thank you. Um, ooh. so, uh, I'm getting, like, kind of obscure ingredients for uh, cocktails tonight. My my girlfriend's making some brisket. And, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you're, you're begging me to ask, how long has this been? How long has what been? The relationship.
0: You know, we started hanging out uh, last year, but I went on tour. So we really have only started spending full quality time with each other since January. Cause I wasn't in LA for like six months. I went on tour for like six months. You know, that would look, look at this. It's new. Look, it's new. It's not lovely things going on outside here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to be like those um, schmuck celebrities in that imagine video. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> imagine my backyard. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> Assaults um
0: god what do you i got, some you, pre- I got so, some pre- mint. so tell me something since you're making cocktails yeah i'm actually taking a month off drinking i'm gonna start drinking next uh saturday
1: okay but outside of weed what are you doing what do you what do you do for drugs for real
0: uh you know what i, I talk about drugs so much in my special and I, I don't do them as much as i used to but like um i like mushrooms i like i I used to love mdma but i don't recover i'm 37 i don't recover from mdma like i used to it is like a slow recovery process but that that used to be my favorite drug not crazy about k or coke i don't like in like anything in my nose um it's it's a bad way to ingest a drug um and I used to like acid but it's like a long haul and it you're, is strong. I'm I'm kind of like aging out of it. You're I also down. have so many just like stressors on my mind like you bring up like nine different things while I'm on acid and I'll I'll I'll, I'll spiral.
1: MDMA is, uh, is is that the the death drug?
0: No, that's Molly. You're thinking of DMT. You're getting DMT. Your, DMT. Yeah, that okay. I haven't done. I, I have to uh Molly is the joyful quiet? Have have a good time. Molly ecstasy. Molly is, yeah. is the uh, active ingredient in ecstasy. No, I did
1: that once with my wife when she's my girlfriend, and we decided to uh, call our grandmothers wow
0: what a choice <laughs> why because it's like you know you're in like would you ever su- burden your grandmother with that you're in like
1: the super sweetest place on mdma and like who's the sweetest person in your world is like your grandmother
0: yeah i get i
1: actually get that
0: and it was probably pleasant wasn't it nice
1: it was very pleasant i'm sure that my grandmother was like you're acting a little weird but had no you know, idea why I,
0: I would get stoned out of my mind when I was a teenager and I hang out with my grandma and she wouldn't notice, and it would be pleasant my 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 parents I'd be too nervous or my sister I'd be too nervous to be stoned in front of, but I could get stoned in front of my grandma, and she wouldn't really be she would just we would just like watch jeopardy and Wheel of fortune, and it was cool. It was like that was fine see when i i I quit
1: weed, but when I used to get high and occasionally in Relatively recent years, I would get stoned, uh, and and I would be able to have really good conversations with my mom because you right you break down a bunch of barriers and now I can like really talk to you and like really like deal you know when I'm not stoned is you know like your your masks are up your barriers are up it was uh
0: it's it's interesting. What about dad? What's going on with dad? You don't bring up dad. Kids this Well,
1: I, I mean, fight. not for any reason. I mean, my father passed away two about 2 years ago, a little oh, over 2 years ago. I hear that. Um, yeah, and he was sick for several years before that. So it's kind of like it's kind of like 5 years that he really did not exist as like a person I could really like, just talk talk how to. How old How old was he? He was older. He was older. <laughs> I mean, I think he was he was he was definitely in his mid 80s, so he but you're was, closer yeah. to mom. Um, I was clo- now. Now you're making me admit shit publicly. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's going
0: to fuck up my
1: family. Incredible. I, was clo- I was clo-
0: personal closer
1: to him. Yeah, I know. Right? I was closer to him when he was here. You know, now it's just her and my sister. But uh, I, I was definitely closer to him. Um, so you know, to see him. He's sort not of fade from away. Senegal.
0: Nobody's from Senegal. Your parents are American.
1: Nobody's. Everybody's American. Everybody's American. She was just reading about somebody in
0: Senegal. I love so, Senegal. So, love Senegal. But, are, any, you, are you by um I don't know how to say it. Am I by what? There's a there's a Senegalese restaurant in yes. Berlin.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. For yes. I, they might have closed. They might have oh, no. closed before Corona on it? on Fulton oh uh, yes and it, by the i'm pretty sucks, sure I, yeah so I, I used to get i used to get the chicken from there like when i was younger but uh i, I think they've been uh. gone for a minute i think they've been gone for a minute so wait, if i could like if i could like see inside your mind like what would it look like what would it sound like what would it be like
0: Like an out of tune banjo player, just like bang, boom, bang bang, 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 and like Bugs Bunny cartoon sound effects. Caruga, Caruga, ai, ai, ai. <laughs> You got a pretty good
1: setup. With like, I got a consistent show. I got a relationship with Netflix. You know, I got a movie coming up that's also going to be on Netflix. So you know, are are you like? mapping out a strategy, or you just sort of like, I had an idea, I executed on it. I have no idea what I'm going to do next I'm year.
0: ready to retire. Yeah. And move to the South of France and just make uh, exotic cocktails. <laughs> I'm hanging up the Jersey. I mean, do you so, have I got plans? More project, I got some more projects in mind, but I'm very superstitious. I don't like talking about stuff until it's happening. Cause that's when you like, you jinx it. I don't know.
1: But you do have a general goal for where you want to be in five years.
0: I'd like to pay off my mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want to live abroad a little bit. I want. I I wouldn't mind spending a couple years of my life in Paris or something like that, just to get it out of my system. But um, career-wise or life-wise, I mean career-wise.
1: But I'm loving the life
0: goals. Career career career-wise, a continuation of the kind of work I'm doing now. I want to continue doing prank stuff. I'd want to continue doing um animation i want to it's not really the medium it's more like the project itself i just want to keep keep creating
1: i mean i feel like you know like when we talk about drugs you're like i'm chilling out overall because like i'm getting older like you know you wonder like how long you continue on this road and you don't start to think how do i transition into something that that continues to fit with my personal growth as I continue to grow as a person.
0: I don't know. You can't... I don't think you can look at it too, like, theoretically. I think you have to be... One of the best things I ever heard was that art isn't intellectual. Art is primal. Mm. So, and I, I agree with comedy and the temporal arts, like like... <clears throat> I I don't think you should overthink it. It's coming from like the animal parts of your mind, not not your intellect. So it's coming from your emotions. And so I I don't want to like, I never like to think about things too theoretically or academically with comedy. I like to just like listen to my intuition and see what is making me laugh and getting me excited about creatively. So what drives you? coffee just a ton
1: of coffee when you when you get out of bed and you think about i gotta keep pushing this rock up the hill and put out more eric andre like what 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 is the thing that you're like "Ah, i want people to say
0: i don't know i don't think about it like that i have i have a creative idea first and i kind of like weigh it in my mind and see if it has merit if it's producible um I don't think about it from like the audience's perspective. You know, I think about it from my own perspective and like, I want to do, uh, what makes me happy. I don't know. I got the best job in the world. I totally lucked out.
1: So. You seem to have the best job in the world. So, all right. I ask everybody, what's your superpower? What do you do better than other people that's allowed you to have
0: the success that you've had? (laughs) I don't know. I I think I'm still trying to get good at comedy. I think I have like a long way to go to be like. I want to be like more comfortable on camera. I'm like, I don't have any superpowers yet. I'm still. I'm still a mere mortal. (laughs) You're more than a mere mortal. I appreciate that. I'm terribly insecure. Yeah.
1: Um. Any Any other uncomfortable questions you want to ask me? That's gonna fuck up my family or my (laughs) life.
0: what's the last nice thing you've done for your wife
1: oh my god are you kidding i, I i'll tell you what you I'll do on
0: valentine's you. day
1: uh, no not even valentine's and you day. remember
0: when's her birthday
1: when's her her birthday just passed may 22nd um, a couple couple weeks ago Um,
0: i swear to god that's my girlfriend's birthday may 22nd shut up i bullshit you not i think i have it on my calendar
1: no i mean like you know you'll you'll see it you know we got two kids it's not about like whatever gifts that i can get you and it's new york every fucking store is closed right now but
0: i don't want excuses man i just want to tell you
1: i will tell you Last okay. last night, as every other night at 1 a.m., yeah. bring ah. it, bring it. The kitchen was destroyed. Your boy okay. was tired. I freaking got off my ass, and I fucking cleaned the entire fucking kitchen. And so when <laughs> she woke up, it was like spick and span, and, right. like, I try to do that every night. And, like, that's kind of my—actually, I, I, I had a conversation with a guy who was, like, an anti-consumerist, and he said his gift to his wife one year for her birthday was, I will take over this chore. I'm not going to give you a thing. I'm going to fucking do this chore that you don't like that's from huge. now on. That's, and I was like, I'm just going to fucking bust out the dishes in the whole kitchen yeah. every night, no matter yeah. what. And like, not be like, that's not my shit. Like, fuck that. Like, and, uh, and feels
0: good. It feels good when you do them at night and it's all clean in the morning. It's a good feeling. I mean, you know,
1: they can't. you can't leave it for the over fucking night. Yeah. Um, well that's What's the most nice thing you did
0: for your girl I did the di- Oh I didn't do the dishes <laughs> last night but I cooked I cooked last night She's a go- I cooked her I did a beer can chicken on the grill
1: Thanks so much to Eric for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, and Gerville Calais. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Show. Toray Show is written by me, Torrey, and produced by Jackie Garfano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and De Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.